This is a Soulfire production. Welcome to my channel. I'm your host, Christina. I'm an intuitive channel, 7D healer, business mentor, and manifestation expert. On this podcast, we discuss how to tap into your intuitive gifts, manifest the life you want, create a kick-ass business in flow, and take a holistic approach to health and wellness. Don't forget to connect with me on Instagram at ChristinaTheChannel and on my website, ChristinaTheChannel.com. I have a very special guest for today's show. In this episode, I am chatting with my dear friend, Sinead Cracknell. I'm sure a lot of you who listen already know Sinead. Many of you have probably already worked with her. She is an incredible healer, an incredible intuitive. Sinead is absolutely magical and she is no bullshit. My fave. We met through Cassie Aurora, who I'm sure you also know. She has been on the show a few times. Sinead and I hit it off. She has been my client for a while now, and I've worked with her. She is such an incredible healer. Like this woman is gifted on so many levels. And she's actually the first person that I ever attuned to a high 70 healing. So she's an Ahai practitioner as well. She has also been trained in Rahani, which is 5D healing and a number of different healing modalities. She offers these incredible soul plan readings. If you haven't already checked those out, I highly recommend. I actually have a video up in the channel collective of my reading so you can get a taste of what it's like. It's literally a chart of your soul and so activating, such a beautiful experience. I can't recommend it enough. And Sinead is not only an incredible intuitive healer, but she is also just a total badass in terms of overcoming some really difficult life experiences. She has one of the most interesting, powerful life stories of anyone I've ever met. And we get into a good amount of it in this episode, but there's so much more, of course. Sinead struggled for years battling anxiety, depression, drug addiction. She quit drugs cold turkey after years of being addicted. She was sexually abused a number of times throughout her life. She was diagnosed with bowel cancer. She had bowel cancer. And after her surgery, it was told she could only eat a certain amount of foods and she literally just like healed herself and now can eat whatever she wants. She was misdiagnosed as paranoid schizophrenic for her intuitive gifts, which is a topic I think is also really important to discuss. This woman has been through a lot and grown through it. She is so strong, is an amazing example of self-healing and of not letting anything hold her back. She is an incredible mother, an incredible friend, and does not give up. And I feel like she is the perfect example of how miracles can happen. Sinead is so inspiring and has so much love. And I just feel like there are so many different aspects to her story I wanted to dive into and couldn't get into all of it in one episode, obviously. But we get into a lot of it and we talk about some really interesting things in terms of spirituality, intuition, healing, and her story itself. And a lot of this might be really triggering. Sinead and I are both people who 
are not afraid of talking about triggering things. And I'm just going to warn you up front that this episode might be triggering. We talk a lot about taking responsibility for healing and how to move forward. So I'm really grateful to Sinead for being so open and honest and vulnerable as she always is. But I'm just really excited for you to hear this episode. And if you want to connect further with Sinead, if you don't already follow her on Instagram, just head to heal.with.sinead on Instagram. And her website is healwithsinead.life. You can check out all of her offerings, get a soul plan reading, receive healing, all the good stuff. And before we jump into today's episode, just a couple of reminders. I've gotten a lot of messages recently asking how you can work with me. If you would like to receive a high 70 healing from me or intuitive guidance for an intuitive session, then check out the healing circles I run every month. I do a 70 healing circle and then an intuitive guidance circle each month. These are in a small group setting, so it feels really intimate and the group energy is so powerful. I was super skeptical of small group healing circles and then I experienced them and wow, I actually often prefer these because they're much more cost effective and you actually get a lot of information through other people's messages as well. So the 70 healing circle is focused on me sending the energy you receiving. So it's much more energy healing focused. And at the end, I share a channeled message for the group. And then the intuitive guidance circles, these are focused more on receiving information for your guide. So I'll channel messages for you. I go through each person individually. You can ask specific questions and I will share whatever is coming through. A lot of people like to do both to really get the full experience. But you know, if you are leaning more toward intuitive guidance, go for that the healing, go for that. So actually this month, I know the healing circle, actually by this time it's probably already done, but there are spots as I record this still for this month's intuitive guidance circle. And then also you can sign up for future months. People tend to book in advance as well. So you can do that at christinathechannel.com slash services. Again, that's christinathechannel.com slash services. You'll find the information there to book. They're also a great way to just receive consistency with with intuitive guidance and energy healing and energy management, shifting your frequency, all that stuff, which I'm a huge believer in energetic maintenance. Personally, I think it's very important. And if you didn't already hear, if you are a VIP member of the Channel Collective, I've added in monthly energy healing sessions. These will be group sessions. You just come, lay down, receive. It's going to be wonderful. In addition to all of the other things you get, the monthly Q&A calls, the manifestation calls, the hundreds of hours of video trainings about all things manifestation, intuition, brain rewiring, healing, and our amazing community. There is also now a new tier of the Channel Collective, which contains the Q&A calls and manifestation calls, as well as pre-released podcast episodes without any ads. So if you want pre-released shows with no ads, then those will be in the Channel Collective membership as well. You can go to christinathechannel.com slash membership to learn more about that. All right. I'm really excited for you to hear today's show. I can't wait to hear what you think. So enjoy this conversation with the wonderful Sinead. So how are you feeling about the spirituality space right now? I feel 
like <laughs> it's oh. a bit hit and miss. <laughs> I could agree with that. Tell me more. Tell me more. Um, well, it depends. I mean, spirituality as a whole is a huge, a huge spectrum. So, what are we talking about? Spiritual people, spiritual gurus in inverted commas or just spirituality as a whole (laughs) uh you can take it however you want i'm feeling more about like the spirituality space let's talk about on instagram spiritual gurus what people are talking about right now uh you know what's the balance between spirituality and conspiracy theories i'm not sure is there a balance? I think everybody I that's spiritual seems to be into a conspiracy theory and everybody who believes they're spiritual <laughs> aren't into conspiracy theories. So it's a little bit hit and miss, as I said. Mm-hmm. Very, <laughs> um, very true. Hmm. I think there are a lot of spiritual gurus um, like to think that they know everything about everything um, and they're sharing certain things that might not necessarily be coming from the best possible intentions or the best mm. space for for the highest good of, of others. I think there's a lot of spiritual ego in there. Um, so, yeah, I think that we could definitely learn a few things. I'm, I say we, and I'm, I'm actually not trying to include myself in that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. I was thinking about that this morning. I had I was channeling and I was in like really deep and I'm and sometimes I think I see what other people post and I'm like who are you talking to because I feel like the deeper I go into this the more I realize there's so much more to always learn and there's like so much more that we haven't uncovered I I don't think I could ever imagine getting to the place where I feel like I know everything oh absolutely not and I, so, I, I completely agree. I don't think we'll ever know everything. What is everything anyway? It's such such mm-hmm. a vast, a vast subject: spirituality and energies and timelines and fucking everything else that's going on in the world. You know, I don't yeah. think that we could ever learn everything. Um, I think that it's more about being authentic with what we do know and what we do have knowledge of and wisdom of and experience of rather than trying to say, well, I know this certain thing because of, you know, whatever. It's just nonsense. Yeah. Well, I think also it can be difficult to explain to people who are trying to fit it into like their three-dimensional constructs. I was having this conversation last week with some of my clients and they're like asking Like, can you explain the science behind this? I don't get different timelines. I don't, I don't understand like spirit guides. Like what's the science? And the thing is when you get into quantum physics, people try and understand like quantum physics, the quantum field within their paradigm. And it literally doesn't map over. It's like trying to, trying to understand how can there be different timelines from the lens of linear time and space they're just two completely different things. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. It's trying to fit it into for, trying to fit it into something that that they understand. So into their own frame of reference, mm-hmm. and try and not think outside of the box because actually it probably feel a lot more comfortable to fit it into their frame of re- reference into their own paradigm 
Um, when actually a lot of this stuff is completely out there <laughs> and you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, I think that people don't realize how for as many advancements as we've made in, in science, our view of science in, in my opinion is so limited is so small and so limited. Like scientists are trying to understand the quantum field and they don't even, they can't even wrap their brains around it. Right. And it's like, that's this whole other science, like, you know, subatomic level that we haven't wrapped our brains around. So of course it's not going to fit into your three-dimensional paradigm. And I think for some people, when they're trying to, they're trying to quote, believe in spirituality, which is a whole other thing, uh, (laughs) from a lens of like, this needs to make sense to me, which is not, I just don't find that's usually how it happens. It's like, for me, how I quote believed, and then I got to the science of it later was having my own personal deep experience where I was at the edge and I'm like, I will believe in anything at this point, anything that helps me, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give it a shot. And then after Mm -hmm. I like, believed in it, experienced it. Then my brain was open enough. My mind was open enough to start to try and understand the science, if that makes Mm. sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally agree. And I think that an awful lot of it as well is trying to go back to when you were a child. And do you remember like when you had that amazing imagination, you know, playing with lots of different fairies in the garden or lots of different beings that were imaginary um, and just finding that sense of wonder in the world as well. Cause a lot of the stuff that, that does come through is, it's like the imagination bridges the gap between the spiritual world and the physical realm. So it's about mm-hmm. kind of finding that space again and going back to, to that sense. Yeah. So I've, I just did a podcast about this, but I'm curious for your explanation. Cause I think people explain it in different ways. How do you discern the difference between imagination and intuition? That is a very good question. Um, It's taken me a long, a long time to discern the difference because of my past experiences, actually. So um, like a lot of the things I did believe was imagination um, because that's whenever I spoke about certain things, oh, that was exactly the response I would get. It's all in your imagination. When actually, as I've kind of gotten older and um looked back in hindsight it's just actually that was my intuition so it's a very fine line between the two and I think this really uh, it's such a difficult question to answer I think because I don't know I don't know I'm going to need some guidance I think on this one (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, I think you do know, I think there's something to the vibe, the vibration, you know, and like how it feels in the body. It feels yeah. a bit different. Yeah. Versus like, what are we creating versus what pops in? Yes. You know? Yeah, this is true. This is very true because I know that a lot of the things that I say to clients um, during energy healing sessions or coaching sessions could well have come from my imagination. But actually, when I speak them, it's all very accurate and it's all very Mm -hmm. true. So that's the other thing as well. It is the sense of the different vibrations in the thoughts. But also, you know, when you speak to somebody, it's going to come. It may be a metaphor or whatever, but it may resonate 
um, in some way or another with the other person as well. And especially for myself, I'm always questioning what is what is imagination, what what is intuition? Am I imagining this or is this really happening for me? Mm-hmm. I think that was something that really helped me a while back with one of my mentors of, you know, I was caught in this. Is this my imagination or my intuition or is this is this the guides or is this my head? And she was like, but Christina, like, does it matter? You just say what comes through and Mm -hmm. see if it resonates, right? Because if it's a metaphor, great. But that metaphor might be teaching somebody something that is really important for them. So still share like, Hey, this is what they're showing me, you know, Mm -hmm. whether or not it's, it's quote true, um, or real, I guess, which (laughs) that's a whole, (laughs) what is real, right? But if it resonates with somebody or like she was saying, you know, if, if it's from your guides or from you, when I was first struggling to figure out like which was which she was saying, but if you say it and it helps them, it elevates them. Does it really matter who it's from? Which is something I've been thinking about too recently. Like I was talking about this with her. Isn't it interesting how for some reason, I mean, why do people think that a piece of information, if it's a channeled message, why is that fancier than it not being channeled, just like being from me or you saying it as us, right? If it still has that level of impact, it's a very interesting dynamic. It is an interesting dynamic. It's almost as if it has more impact if you call it a channeled message rather than this is it. Or even if you call it a download, does it have a different connotation as well as to how it's received? You know, you, it so. could... Yeah. And I, you know, we see so many different quotes and everything and memes and stuff like this all over the social media. How much of that, those are channeled messages or downloads, but not actually said that they're channeled or downloads. So it's, it's, again, it's kind of, where is the person at when they're receiving the message and what is their view or definition of channeled and how, what Mm -hmm. does that mean for them? Does it mean that it has more kind of um, weight? in the actual message does that give it more weight <laughs> mm-hmm. it's it's interesting because i feel like we're moving into a time when everything's going to be downloads channeled like that's going to be like that's the norm we're moving into that it, for me when i'm like this is a trans channel message i'm trying to let people know like it's not me that's going to come through and for me it i like to say i'll say it's channeled when i feel like it's more separate from me because I know for me, when I'm channeling, I just as much as anyone else, like I watch it back and I'm trying to learn and piece it apart for myself and being like, wait, sometimes like I get channel messages and I'm like, well, I don't think that. (laughs) So I, so it creates more of a separation for me, but I think it's a really good point of like, what does channeling mean? uh, Depending on the person for you, what does that mean for you? For me, it means that it's come from a higher place um, Mm -hmm. rather than the person's ego or own agenda or own mind. In fact, it's come from source. It's come from from love Mm -hmm. primarily. Um, And that's where it's like the spiritual gurus, we'll go back to that, might call it a channeled message, but actually it's been filtered through your ego. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's difficult to kind of comprehend whether it is channeled or whether it is, you know, what's the, how pure is that channeled message? So I think really if you, what does channeling mean for you 
And how does it actually feel to receive a channeled message? And, and what, and what you know, does that make any difference as to whether it's been channeled or downloaded or if it's come from somebody else's perspective? You know, it's, it's about questioning everything and not just taking things at face value. And that's definitely something that I've had to learn as well is like, um, you know, I know that a lot of the things that I channel, I write down. I don't do the trance channeling thing. I mean, I give it a good go when I'm at home on my own and no one's watching. But um, <laughs> but to be honest, it's just like I even question that myself. You know, is this is this has this come from me or has this come from somebody else? Has this come from source? Has this come from the divine? And I question mm-hmm. that. And bef- and I question it even before I post as well because I know that a lot of things that come through it's just like well that doesn't make sense so let me just tweak it a little bit so to make sure it sounds so how, how do we know what's being filtered so yeah, yeah. I've, I've completely gone off on a, a tangent there no, Christina it's, it's a really good point though because I think it's interesting for people to hear about kind of the other side of that like I know for me when I whenever I'm channeling and I'm writing like I'm trans channeling I'll be honest. I actually think the trance channeling has helped me trust it more because I'm like gone. Like I'm, I'm not even there. Right. So it's like, it allows me to trust it. And the more that it's converged and, I, and I'm more present, the harder it is for me. Like I, I need to, you know, really pay attention to that. But when I'm writing something out and I'm going back through and, you know, like adding spaces or just like fixing spelling errors, I even find myself, I'm like, oh, this word, this doesn't make sense. And then I'm like, no, like they said that word specifically, even if I don't, I don't think it makes sense there. Like Mm. they said it specifically for a reason. And so you have to leave it there. And I think people who are new to like reading channel messages, they might not realize all of the codes and layers within every word and every, every sentence. And if you're receiving a channeled message and you're writing something down, like keep it as pure as possible. Even if you think that word doesn't make sense, that's grammatically incorrect. They said it that way for a reason. Exactly. And that comes down to words carrying vibration and meaning and everything else and that, and the power of words and the power of language. So when you change it, it won't have the same vibration. Mm. Mm. And then the, yeah, the message, the message won't be received as pure as it was intended. Mm-hmm. And then when we go around trying to change things anyway, that's coming from like a little bit, maybe perfectionist tendencies <laughs> as well. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. yeah. And that whole, like, I need to be right. Is this perfect? Is this good enough? Right. External validation. Now suddenly we're yeah. pulling, or pulling what is in a higher dimension and we're trying to fit it into 3d. Yeah. Which... Filtering, filtering. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of, I want to talk more about like the vibration of words. I'm really, I've been tuning a lot into this and I think it's really interesting. And I want to talk about the soul plan readings that, that you do, because, you know, I've had one with you, obviously, you know, and it was so powerful and I've never experienced anything like that. You're the first person I've ever met that does that type of work. Mm-hmm. And I, I would love for you to explain more about what what the chart is and like what a soul plan reading is like and uh, more about like the energy, the vibration of names and how that plays into it. Okay, so obviously we're all given names at birth um, and the soul plan reading is, the soul plan chart is based on the dominant vibrations of your name, the sound vibration of your name. But actually some believe that your names are actually given to you by 
um, instead of your parents or your caregivers, they're actually given to you by your incarnating aspect of your soul. So that that comes like through telepathically from your soul. Um, so a lot of the times it's not actually your mum or your dad or whoever it is that's choosing the name. It's like sometimes you think of like when you're going to name a, a car or a pet or something or a child, it's like, where do these names come from? And some believe that it's actually the telepathic link. So you're actually getting it from the newborn that's coming into the world. Um, and these, so it's based on the, the sound vibration of the name and the letters of the name. And it's translated into ancient Hebrew text. Um, and it's into, so the 22 letters of the ancient Hebrew text. And these 22 letters represent the 22 energies of life and creation. Um, and they're each given a symbol. Um, and this was actually a channeled um, process by a guy called Frank, Frank Alper, who wrote a book called Discovering Atlantis. Um, and he formulated the first, like the basic, I don't even want to call it basic because it's not basic by any means. He um, channeled most of the, the beginnings of this process. And then another guy in the UK channeled the numerology aspects, the um, astrological aspects um, and various other parts of the chart so basically translate the birth name into these 22 energies and we each have 14 dominant energies um, which are then placed around a star a star of creation the star of creation but also which represents the anahata the um, heart center and i say 14 even though that there's only like it's a six-pointed star. So you have two at each point and then you have two in the center of the star. And they cover basically your, your worldly aspects. So your worldly challenges or karmic challenges from the ages of like when you're born to between the ages of 30 and 40. Um, and then the talents that you're naturally born with and the goals that you're here to achieve um, and then move into the spiritual aspect, which is your inner world. So anything from the ages of 30 upwards and look at the challenges around your spirituality, the the, your spiritual talents, your spiritual goals. And then it's almost like you're reading a story or it's like a journey of your life, which then brings you to the center of the star, which tells you your soul destiny and what you came here to do in this life. The symbols themselves activate you energetically. So just by sitting in front of your own personalized chart, it will activate you on a DNA level. It will activate your soul plan. We all have a soul plan and it's basically the soul contract. So what we came, what our souls came in into this world to do, what lessons we were here to learn. So that therefore challenges. So different health issues we were supposed to go through, relationship issues, childhood issues, um, what we're really, really talented at or what we're supposed to be talented at. But the way that we kind of access these talents is by going through the challenges and navigating our way through the challenges. But the, the great thing is, is that, to kind of overcome the challenges is by utilizing these talents. So you might think, oh, I'm really good at public speaking, but I'm so nervous to do that. There's just a little thought in my head that I think that I might be really good at. Your soul plan chart will basically say you're really will basically say you're really talented at this. And the more that you embody that essence of yourself, the easier it will be for you to navigate and overcome certain challenges that your soul came here to go through. And then ultimately achieve your goals and 
boom, <laughs> mm-hmm. step into your sole purpose. Have you ever had someone who like when they get to the purpose part, they're like, it's so off from anything that they were going for before? Yeah, I've had <laughs> I've had a lady come to me. So first of all, she somehow found me through, I think it was a YouTube video I did and she'd never experienced, she's just kind of waking up, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. Um, didn't really know much about spirituality or anything else and decided to have energy healing with me and then decided she wanted a soul plan reading. So sat in front of her soul plan and she's got like the energy of starseed energy in her chart and she's got this energy in her chart three times so I'm talking to her telling her about how she's she would be an amazing channel a really like an amazing healer she's got this energy in her chart she's sitting there going what (laughs) 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 what um yeah how, how do I access that um, I've never even, you know, I don't even know how found how I found you, Sinead, properly. And and now you're telling me that I'm really powerful, a really powerful channel. I'm psychic. I'm this. I'm that. And I'm like, you are. It's yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> well, she found you for a reason, exactly. right? Like you exactly. don't just stumble across people like you <laughs> unless it's for no. a reason. And this is the thing: is that so many people that come for soul plan read- readings are spiritual. I don't think mm. that you'd really stumble across a soul plan reader or a soul plan chart just by accident, unless there was something pulling you in that direction, unless you were already on a spiritual journey yourself, because mm-hmm. this, the, the whole process of it, it's literally activating you energetically on a DNA level and within your heart center. So going through the entire reading, it's so accurate down to the body organ that you're going to struggle with in your life and how you need to kind of, what you need to do to maintain that body organ or um, hormonal imbalances caused by um, imbalances in your divine masculine and feminine energies, all this kind of stuff. So it's so accurate. But what I find really interesting is that we all have these energy, the same 22 energies, they're not going to be exactly the same combinations, but we're all going to have these energies in our charts. So it's almost as if, you know, I, I I say like people are receiving it and they're going, oh my God, that's amazing. How do you know about all this about me? And I was like, well, actually I did, I I wrote, I spoke about the same energy with somebody different last week and they had exactly the same issues and had to go through exactly the same thing. And it just, it just reminds me of how, how connected we all are, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what's amazing about these charts. And the way that it's so unique from from one to the next is that even though you may have experienced same similar health issues or childhood issues or whatever it is, the way that the actual plan affects you is going to be different. So at the end of a reading, I would do an activation of your soul plan hologram. And some people experience nothing at all. And some people have physically been unwell afterwards. It's taken two or three sleep cycles to get off the, to kind of process and, and integrate everything. I mean, how was it for you, Christina? I mean, <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was floating in the sky. I was like, did I levitate? <laughs> I, thought, I straight up thought I was going to levitate during it. It was so activating. I mean, I felt. For the next couple of days, I felt like I was recalibrating for sure. Um, I just felt like I needed to slow down, needed time 
So it was a really strong activation and it was really validating for me. It was really validating that it was all on my chart and just seeing, and I asked you, I was like, is everybody's chart like this? Like with all the double numbers mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, no, you know? And so I think that kind of thing, it can be very validating to some, for somebody who is literally just looking at this chart and they describe everything to a T and just all of these different aspects of your life. And I also love that it gives you, uh, you know, ways to overcome those challenges, not just like your challenges, best mm. of luck. It's like, okay, mm. these are the challenges and these are your talents. This I overcome, I think was really great. So, I mean, mm. I, it was a really strong activation for me. Mm. Yeah. And I think that it is quite a strong activation for most people. Um, and I think that, but at the end of the day, the, you know, the clearing and the activation of it all really depends on whether your soul's ready for it, mm-hmm. um, how open you are to receive it also. But um, the other thing as well is that what's great about it is that, yeah, as you said about the steps on how to overcome the challenges and things like that, but also like I will, I can tell you specific self-help methods that you can utilize to overcome your challenges or to step into your talents or step into your goals. Um, but also what kind of a, you know, um, for example, there's an energy that says that basically tells me that the person with that energy in their chart needs to, to work with a specific kind of coach. So it might be somebody that's going to actually listen to that person, allow them to come to their own conclusions. So, and this is about developing their own inner channel, their own intuition. Instead of somebody who's going to say, well, this is what you need to do. It's about kind of really listening and, and getting that person to look at things from different perspectives, different angles. That's the energy of the nine, nine, by the way. If you're not already on the Organifi train, you are seriously missing out. I drink Organifi literally all day long. Their products are delicious and they are packed with superfoods. They have so many health benefits and all organic, super high quality. I always get asked about the red drink I'm drinking. That is Organifi's red juice. I just put a scoop into a glass of water. I mix it up and voila, I have a delicious, healthy superfood berry punch that has only one gram of sugar per serving, filled with 11 superfoods, has no caffeine at all, and is a great way to boost my energy. Red juice contains ingredients like beets, acai, cordyceps, Siberian ginseng, just a whole medley of medicinal mushrooms, antioxidants, and natural herbs to give you that natural energy boost, which is what I love to have throughout the day. I usually drink my red juice about halfway through the day or in the afternoon. People ask me how I get so much done. So much of my productivity and my focus is rooted in the way I treat my body and what I put into it. I will also say it is definitely no problem for me to get enough water into my body because I'm drinking so much Organifi all day long. So red juice is one of my faves and another one is chocolate gold. Oh my God. I don't even have words for chocolate gold. You need to try this. It's like healthy hot chocolate combined with golden milk. There's only one gram of sugar per serving and I literally just mix this with water. This is my favorite way to wind down. It is so good and it has so many amazing ingredients to help reduce inflammation and get me ready to go to sleep. Ingredients like turmeric, ginger, reishi mushroom, great for rest and relaxation, magnesium, also excellent for relaxation and recovery, and turkey tail mushroom, which is great for boosting the immune system and for the digestive system. Just so many great ingredients. 
winds me down in the evening and it tastes like the silkiest, smoothest, hot chocolate drink. I just have no words. Another hack is to put some of this into your coffee. Mm, So good. So if you want to try out red juice, chocolate gold, regular gold, green juice, any of their products that I'm sure you've seen me drinking because I drink them all day, every day, just head to Organifi.com slash CTC and that code CTC will get you 15% off. That's Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash CTC and that code CTC will get you 15% off. I also want to talk about like when you say the activation depends on how ready you are. And we Mm. also talk about like being ready when it, in terms of receiving different types of energy healing, different types of activations. Like, can you explain more about what that means of like being ready? What makes somebody ready versus not ready? Well, we've kind of covered it a little bit in the fact that, you know, our souls came into this life to experience certain things. And (laughs) this term that gets banded about quite a lot is, you know, everything happens in divine timing. And that's pretty much how it is as to whether that person or that soul is ready. So are they, have they learned the lessons that they're supposed to learn from a particular health condition or particular um, limiting beliefs? Is that, is their soul ready to let go of that and move forward? So that it, when I say ready, that's pretty much what I feel is, is what that relates to. Okay. Yeah, I would agree. And I think also just the energy body, like pe- people think to develop spiritually, emotionally healing, like they just want to go in. They, they want to use energy healing sometimes like a bandaid. They're just like, yeah, clear me, cut my cords. And they go back and do the same damn shit. And that's not how it works, right? It's like doing the the deep inner work, personal work on, on the energy body. Like there's, there's so many layers to it, right? Energetic, spiritual, emotional, physical, like everything working, working together, which I think is really important for people to realize too. Like you don't get to just, I don't know, skip all the steps and go in and have your energy healer fix all your issues. That's not how it works. <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing as well, is that as we're raising our consciousness, there's more energy healers pop- popping up and people are becoming more aware of energy healers. And it's like, oh, well, I've tried this, this, this and this. Maybe if I try an energy healer, this will change because it didn't work before. Well, probably the reason it didn't work before is because you haven't done the rest of the work to go along with it. You know, so if you go to an energy healer, that's not going to happen either. They're going to bring stuff up into your awareness, but it's about how do you deal with that stuff that's come into your awareness? Do you shove it back down again and ignore it? Or do you actually take steps to deal with it? Yeah. I mean, I talk about this all the time with cutting cords. People will be like, can you just cut the cord? And sometimes they'll be like, and sometimes like, yeah, you're ready. Let's do it. Let's cut it. Let's finish this thing. And other times I'm like, no, it's not going to do anything. It's just going to grow back because you're staying in the toxic relationship. You're not making any changes. You just want an energy thing to, to shift, you know? And I think also to your point of maybe it's, it's not working because you haven't done that deeper work, but also I wanted to talk to you about how, you know, we've discussed like maybe just needing a different vibration of healing. And this has come up Mm. a lot for me where people are like, Oh no, it doesn't work. And for me, I felt like energy healing was like not really having the same effect on me anymore. And it wasn't until I started, you know, experiencing higher vibrational forms of of healing. And I would love for you to speak to that because I know you've experienced both and you also channel different, different types of healing, different dimensions. So I'd love for you to share more about that. 
Um, yes, I I definitely agree that, you know, there's definitely an element of the vibration of the energy that's being um, channeled as to why it's not going to help some people and they do need a higher vibration. And I think this is probably why um, I was drawn straight into, I mean, obviously I'm attuned to Sekhem, which is a 3D, it's Egyptian Reiki. Um, and I used that for a little while, but I didn't use it as much as I used like five, fifth dimension Rahani or Ahai, which is seventh dimension. Um, and my experiences of Reiki itself is that it didn't really work for me. Um, and personally, I didn't notice many shifts, if anything at all. It was just like a really nice kind of, oh, I just fancy going. It's, it's like, I'll just go and have a massage. I'll just have an energy healing session. So for me, it's about energy healing sessions aren't just to like become relaxed and everything else. If they're there to kind of really help you do the deep inner work. And if it's not if it's not helping you do that, then you definitely need a higher vibration. But I have had somebody reach out to me and say that they have experienced a higher vibration energy and all it's left them feeling was relaxed and calm. Um, firstly, how connected to your body, your physical body are you? Because that's an element there as well. So, you know, if you're feeling disconnected from your body, it could be the fact that you're not, that's probably why you're not feeling certain. Uh, certain getting certain results um how open are you to certain energies as well you know what are your expectations but I feel that it's really really important that as again as we're moving into a different consciousness 5d consciousness I don't believe that Reiki is going to be able to work for much longer you know, yeah, I think I, I think it, yeah, I think it's going to be really nice for a nice relaxing treatment. But if you want real change, you need to have a higher vibration, a higher frequency of energy. Yeah, especially as you you shift your consciousness, it's it's really interesting. And I think also for me, like I've worked with a lot of healers, and I'm after after the session, I'll be like, you know, that's not Reiki, whatever you're using. They'll be like. No, it's not. I'm like, it's not right. You can tell. And I think that's why I tell people like, just be open to developing your own, your own style, your own modality, because I think that's really how the future of energy healing is, is going to be like people, uh, you don't have to fit it in a box. It doesn't have to be Reiki. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. And I listened to your podcast about, you know, what you spoke about this before on your podcast. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? I do channel Rahani, but it's, it's, and I've said this for a very long time. It's almost as if it's a foundation for some of the things that I'm doing. I'm literally just an open channel to whatever's coming through. I'm seeing, <laughs> I'm seeing like people's body organs and everything else that I was never able to see before because I'm just completely just being open, just use me as the channel and allow me to channel this energy. I don't believe it's just Rahani anymore. I don't believe it's just a high. I think it's just mm -hmm. whatever's coming through. I think it's a blend of everything, but I know, I definitely know whether a client needs a fifth dimension or a seventh dimension healing. So I, I will kind of, adapt whatever it mm -hmm. is that I need to do mm -hmm. yeah and I think there's also a level of trusting 
like <laughs> the energy itself is going to calibrate to, I almost imagine it like your body's only going to soak up what it can take, you know, but if somebody's mm-hmm. only attuned to a certain frequency, it might not fill you up all the way. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like, I know I use energy. That's it's not just 70 a high. That's just what they want me to teach. But it's like, if it's a high dimensional frequency, it's not going to like the energy is going to meet the person where they're at typically yeah <laughs> is what, is yeah. what i'll say so thing, things to think about and i think you know like with what you do there's this there's the soul plan reading the energy healing and then the coaching itself which is a piece i think a lot of people forget about and mm. i know you work with a lot of people who are overcoming a lot of deep trauma mm. uh and for somebody, I, I just come across so many people who have really deep trauma and they don't even know what to do. Like, what is that? What is the process like? What should somebody do if they feel like they have some deep stuff that they need to work through? And they're like, I don't even know how. Hmm. It's, it is difficult. I mean, it depends what the trauma is specifically that they believe that they've been through. Um, and I know from my experience, I've got a lot of repressed, suppressed memories of certain traumas. And the way that I realized that I'd gone through things is because I felt it in my body. Um, but one of the things like one of the side of I don't even want to say side effects. One of the caveats to experiencing trauma is that sometimes you become really disconnected from your body. So mm-hmm. it's just about finding somebody that you trust that you can speak to about it. Um, I know, I certainly know that a soul plan reading really helps to understand. It's triggering people's memories. Some of my clients have had triggered memories from childhood that they completely forgotten about. And it also brings up to the surface certain things that people need to kind of really look at and move through. Um, And definitely looking at somebody's energy body as well and the different energy centers is going to tell me certain things. I mean, obviously, I'm getting a lot of things coming through intuitively, but I think it's about exploring whatever it is that they believe has happened. Talk about Mm -hmm. it. Explore it. And this is the way, you know, this is how I work in my mentorship is that is, you know, combining the energy healing and the mindset, the talking and everything else. So. You know, my door is always open to anybody who ever who believes that they've been through trauma. You know, I'm always here. And I think it's really important for people to know that they're not alone. You know, if you believe that something's happened, then it probably has. Yeah. And the aspect of, you know, people comparing severity, it's like it doesn't matter if it's stored in your body, if it's affecting you, it matters. Right. If it's Mm -hmm. affecting you, it matters whether Mm -hmm. or not, you know, if if you and you don't always have to know exactly what happened to know that you're being affected by something and it'll rise naturally if you create space or if it's supposed to for your highest and best. And I think you're a really good example of somebody who like walks the talk and you have overcome so, so much like it blows my mind, everything (laughs) you you've overcome. And I I think something I admire most about you is like shit happens, like intense shit happens and you just like use your tools and move through it. I mean, most people would not be able to, to do what you do now after what you've overcome. Um, 
And something that like <laughs> I I love is when I was asking you before about like with your with your bowel cancer and like getting your large bowel removed. And I was like, how did you start to eat foods again? And you're like, I just decided. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the stubbornness. And it was just like, I'm not. I'm not prepared to be a victim of this disease. Um, I was very lucky. Um, I had my large bowel removed. I didn't have to have any chemotherapy or anything like that. But the surgeries and everything were traumatic enough for me. Um, I know, you know, and it was just like the doctors, the nurses were saying, well, you're not going to, you're not going to be able to eat fibrous foods, vegetables, blah, blah, blah. And I'd got to a place in my life where I was eating healthily, it was making me feel good. I was really enjoying what I was eating, having been through so many different eating disorders. Um, and I was just like, no, I'm not having somebody tell me what I can and can't eat. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, And that was it. It was just like, no, you can tell me that I can't eat that, but I'm going to eat it. <laughs> and that was mm -hmm. it. And it took, I had to train my body to tolerate certain foods. And there were a lot of accidents here and there. <laughs> but, you know, I, I pretty much eat what I want now. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it was a lot of kind of, I'm, I'm, I wasn't accepting the reality that somebody else was giving me. Quick question Did you know that you can get text messages from me? I am about to give you my number and all you have to do is send a text so that I have your number and then you will receive regular quick text messages from me with daily downloads from my guides, manifestation tips, and other little messages that will brighten your day. So if you want to text me, here is my number, 205-883-8280. You can opt out anytime, but I don't think you will want to. So again, that number is 205-883-8280. I am so excited to get your text. So I am curious how, and it's funny because I'm the same. I'll, if I'm, if I react to a food and I really want it, I just keep eating it. And everyone's like, why are you doing that? I'm like, I'm going to be able to do this. Like we can do this. Right. But that mindset, not accepting someone else's reality like what shifted between like that and then when you were admitted to a psych ward and in there and it's like, did you believe what they were telling you? Yes, that was a very long time ago. That was, I mean, the bowel cancer happened within the last four years. Um, mm -hmm. Being admitted to a psych ward was 17 years ago. Um, I was a very different person back then, and I pretty much believed everybody, everything everybody told me, um, which was probably one of the reasons why I ended up in there. But I think because I'd had such, I'd had experiences as a child, um, astral projecting, seeing ghosts, seeing spirit, um, and there was a fear created around that. Um, and at the time there was a lot of trauma as well. I don't have a lot of memory of my childhood, but some of the things that I do remember um, as I was growing up, I started to use um, smoke cannabis um, and I noticed and I, I struggled with eating disorders as well. And at the time I was taking amphetamines to try and lose weight. So 
both of those drugs were, I don't even want to call a cannabis drug anymore, but I used to call it a drug, but that's a whole different subject. Um, basically completely opened me up, opened up my extrasensory perceptions and, and I, it just, it, it was, it was too much because I'd already created this fear um, from childhood and it was always, I was always said it was nonsense and everything else. This, I was getting so much coming through. It was just unreal. I was seeing things. I was hearing things. Um, I believed that the television was talking to me or trying to brainwash me. Um, I was seeing certain beings. Um, I I believed that I was being watched constantly. I believed that um, like helicopters were following me and keeping an eye on me. And they might not have been doing it for me specifically, but <laughs> so it just all this information was coming through and I didn't know what was going on. It was just, it was so overwhelming. And obviously it was coming across as if I was really paranoid. Um, mm-hmm. And, but I was so scared. I couldn't sleep at night. Um, and like I'd seen ghosts coming through. I was hearing things. I was just like, I, I just can't cope. I don't know what's happening. There was no one to turn to. Um, there was no, oh, let me have a look on Instagram to see who I can follow that's spiritual. I didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> let me find a spiritual guru who, yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, I just need to, I, I, it got to a point where I was worrying everyone's sick. I mean, I was calling people muggles. <laughs> as well I was saying things like be honest you still do I do yeah (laughs) yeah but I was saying I was saying things like the matrix is real um and it was just like no she's 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 crazy so I believed I was crazy um and it got to the point where I was so scared I decided in my um insane mind to admit myself to the doctor who then put me into a psych ward and I was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Mm. And I was there for, I think, a couple of months. Mm. Upon reflection, like, I'm curious how that's changed or affected your view on, like, mental illness itself and people labeled with mental illness and how much of, like, when you were admitted at that at that time, you know, a long time ago when that was so much, like, how much of that do you think was the intuitive gifts versus like, I was actually paranoid. I believe it was all intuitive gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it was very distorted because I was picking up so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there was an element of a little bit of pa- element of paranoia. Um, and I think that's because I was taking those two drugs. So my mind mm-hmm. was, was not of sound mind anyway. Um, but in hindsight, I believe that most of it was was my psychic gifts opening up mm-hmm. again, even more. Mm-hmm. But it just so happened to coincide with the time that I was smoking weed and taking speed <laughs> to try and yeah. lose weight. So, yeah. yeah. And it's taken me a long time to recognize that I'm not crazy and that I wasn't crazy. Um, it's taken it's taken me years, you know, because actually those things that were deemed crazy are the things that I'm using right now. It's the intuition that I'm using right now that's actually really helping people mm-hmm. and changing it's, people's lives. <laughs> it's wild to me stories like that, 
because it's just like this whoa moment whenever you hear things like that of really realizing what's normal to me in my bubble could be totally crazy to someone else. And mm. sometimes, you know, it's like, we think what's, I think what's normal is what I'm around all the time. So to me, I'm like, yeah, talking to aliens is normal, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, to me, that's normal. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, you're at a high vibration. So you're more tapped in mm-hmm. or like living in, you know, I, I've always lived in California, which were very different than other people. And I've lived in LA and now, you know, San Diego, like very spiritually aware where all of the stuff that other people think are crazy. Like, I'm just like, oh yeah, that's normal. Like, this is what mm-hmm. people do. Mm-hmm. Like even thinking about like gluten, right? When I go mm-hmm. somewhere where people don't know, people are like, what's gluten? I'm like, what? Everything is gluten-free here, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like just really realizing whenever people, I mean, passing judgment on anyone, whatever we think is normal, there's always going to be someone else out there who thinks that's weird or crazy. They've never heard of it before. Yeah. And it's, it's really mind-blowing to me right now because uh, it's almost like, this is where we get into the discussion of reality versus beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. Like what is truth? What does that mean of like, I, what I, what is my reality? What is truth to somebody else? They're like, well, that's your belief, right? Or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And it really makes you question like, well, what is reality? Like, is there truth? What does that mean? But I think it's really important to realize, like, I mean, I feel so lucky to live in a time and in a place where my intuitive gifts are welcomed and celebrated because mm-hmm. there are many places and times where, where they wouldn't be. I mean, most of us, most people listening to this uh, are, you know, on some level tapped in whatever, at whatever level that is. And, you know, if you're a healer, you've probably been burned at the stake because you were a witch, you know, all that yeah. kind of stuff. <laughs> and it's, it's just a really, it's a really important perspective to think about. And my belief is as well is that, you know, this has happened to me for many lifetimes um, in in various different ways. And it was down to me in this lifetime, down to my soul in this lifetime to go through it and heal from it and come out the other side and do what I'm doing now um, and celebrate it as well. And I think also is that at the time there was no one. You know, I know 17 years ago doesn't seem like that long back, but it feels like a lifetime ago when like spirituality and energy healing. And I'm sure it was, it, you know, it's been around for thousands of years, but it wasn't socially acceptable like it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely wasn't socially acceptable coming, uh, being brought up for, in a Catholic background as well. Mm-hmm. So, well, isn't that really interesting how, like thousands of years ago, like this was celebrated, right? Mm. Like all the intuitive gifts, magic, all of this, right? And then we got into organized structured religion where things were said to be wrong or evil. And it's like, how do we get from like these ancient spiritual practices, different culture practices to, you know, now we have witch trials and people who try and help people with herbs or witches, you know, and it's, it's very interesting to think about how that's changed and transformed because to your point, like these are ancient, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's like how, you know, how humans, we can get all the way back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like we're energetic beings. Yeah, exactly. I know it's crazy. It is crazy. There we go. Let's use that word one more time. <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah but there but, we go. Yeah. This is the, the you as you were speaking there. It's just like, well, what spiritual guru came up with um, Catholicism and Christianity, and you know, 
Very, very interesting. I know that's a common struggle people face of like, you know, how does my spirituality fit into my religion? Um, Mm -hmm. But it's always just about like, to like question everything. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Why are the rules the rules? Who who instituted the rules? For what purpose? Like what, you know, we, mm-hmm. we're so used to what we think is normal. Like whatever we grew up around, we think that's normal. And then some of us realize, hmm, let me question it first. But, mm-hmm. but the thing there is, are many well, layers to it. Yeah, there is. But I think also the thing is, is that when you start asking questions, it leaves room for answers that you might not particularly want to hear or you might not be ready to hear and that can feel quite unsafe and create fear so people don't like to ask questions they're just happy Mm. with what they're being spoon-fed breach (laughs) i couldn't have said it better myself i couldn't have said it better myself oh my god yeah well and then it's like i really you know i really believe people who are here to make big impact go through really intense experiences, uh, to be able to overcome and expand for other people and, and teach, right? Like what, what we're here to master, what we're meant to teach. And for you with your, like, so, I mean, first of all, you've had, we talked about like being in the psych ward, the bowel cancer, uh, your experiences with drugs and being Mm -hmm. addicted to drugs, which again, you basically just like stopped cold turkey, right? I did. Something else <laughs> I did that I was just like, I've had enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, After how was... long? Wow. Um, that's a good question. I probably, well, if I include probably from my early 20s until I'd say probably around my late 30s. Um, I stopped when I, when I got pregnant, I stopped for nine months completely. And looking back, I don't know how the fuck I did that to be honest, but I did because I knew it wasn't about me anymore. I knew that I had to stop, but then, um, I had a really traumatic birth and I suffered really badly with postnatal depression and I'm not making excuses for going back to taking drugs again, but it was just, that was my go-to um, to mm. get through certain things. I didn't know how else to manage things. So I was taking cocaine again. I was literally, before I got pregnant, I was spending around 250 pounds a day on cocaine, which is what, $400 maybe a day. Um, and so the reason I just decided to stop is because it wasn't about me anymore. I did stop during the pregnancy, but it got to a point where I think this is where like the the bowel cancer, the the health issues started coming in, and it was just like I can't keep doing this. This my life isn't mine. It's not my own. Mm-hmm. It's not about me anymore. I need to stop this. I don't want it to define who I am anymore. I want a better life. There's got to be something better out there than this. I'm fed up of being Sinead, the drug addict. People seeing me, oh yeah, that one that takes the coke. It's just like and and then knowing that my daughter was there as well. I mean, just around me, it's just like, she doesn't deserve this. You know, I need to stand on my own two feet. I need to learn how to deal with the trauma that I'm trying to suppress, that I'm trying to escape. I don't want her to go through the same things. It's just like, enough is enough. So I literally just Mm -hmm. quit cold turkey. I made the decision and I stopped. 
I didn't go to any um, any of the anonymouses <laughs> or, or anonymi, whatever you call them. Um, I just decided to stop. I mean, I tried them previously to getting pregnant um, and they didn't work for me. I wasn't in the right place for them to work for me. But it was just like, well, I've tried that before. I don't want to go back to that. I can do this on my own. And I did. It's so incredible what we can achieve if we have a strong enough motivation, right? Like, Mm. I think there are just so many things we think we can never overcome, we can never do. But then when we have the right thing that actually motivates us, like talking about internal versus external motivation, Mm. we can do things that we would never imagine. Mm. Absolutely. And I think to a degree, there was a lot of external motivation coming from my daughter, but most of it was internal. I don't want to be that person anymore. I was fed up of just being a complete fucking mess because that's what I was. I was a mess. Mm -hmm. I was drowning in my own trauma. I was drowning in my own feelings. I was drowning in everything. And I was just like, I need to take my power back. I can't live like this. If I don't do this now, I mean, you know, stopping when I did when I got pregnant really saved my life because that stopped the you know, 250 pound a day habit. But then after she was born, it slowly creeped back in, not to the same extent, but it was still there. And it was just like, I don't want to be this person anymore. I've been doing this for however many years. Fuck that, man. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and were you aware of like the trauma you were trying to cope with? Like, were you aware of that and just didn't know how? Or did you just feel like you weren't even consciously aware? I, if I'm honest, I think I was dealing with a lot of childhood stuff, childhood trauma, but there was a main piece of trauma that I was totally unaware of that only came to light this year. Um, And it's a lot of the memories around that are very repressed and suppressed. Um, But I know in my body, I know in my mind um, that certain things happened to me. Um, and it's just about, I, I think that this came into my awareness this year because I'm sound of mind, because I was ready to receive that information. I don't think I was ready before. Mm. So you and I have seen a lot is coming to light for different people this year because Mm. we're in a time of such incredible transformation and up-leveling and shifting you know, to 5D consciousness as a collective. And so a lot of shit's rising up. People are remembering a lot. People are, quote, you know, waking up in different ways. Mm -hmm. And both you and I have seen uh, more and more women coming to us around sexual sexual abuse. Um, And I think, you know, two very sensitive topics are the sexual abuse and and abortions or miscarriages. I see all of those, uh, you know, really being beneath the surface for a lot of women and an underlying pain that they don't necessarily know how to move through for the woman who has dealt with any of those. I'm curious what, what advice you would have for her. The one thing um, that's just popped into my head is it's not your fault. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you made the choices that you needed to make at that time because it was the right thing for you to do with regards to abortions. Um, The sexual trauma was sexual abuse. It was not your fault. 
um, and you will mm-hmm. find a space where you will be able to recognize that. Um, and, you know, miscarriages again, I think it, you know, all of those things bring up a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. You know, I think that's the underlying thing for, for most of those things is shame as well. Just, just shame, mm. shame, embarrassment, um, just why me as well? Why did I have to go through this? Why did I do that? And it, it's really, really difficult to kind of move through that. But it's about kind of just trying to, uh, for me personally, I need to talk about things. For others, that might not be this, you know, the case. But for me, it's definitely about talking about things and to trying to bring it up and out and releasing the emotion that's holding, that you're holding on around those different traumas. Um, and I know that it's it's really difficult. It's really difficult to even contemplate thinking that certain things have happened to you in the past. Um, but if you believe they have as well, as I've said before, if, if you believe certain things have happened, then they probably have. Um, mm. And it's just about knowing that it's safe for you to talk about them, that you're not going to be judged. If you find the right person to talk to, you're never going to be judged by talking about it. How did you. Well, actually, so here's a question. This is a difficult question. It's going to be triggering, but how do you, how do people find the balance between like, you know, understanding it wasn't my fault, but then also the concept of it happened for me or like I what comes into my reality is a function of what I'm attracting in. That's not triggering for me. <laughs> I know it's I not know triggering it. for you, but for yeah, people but, listening, but, I know yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, I think that's the, and this is the thing is that because, you know, to try and understand the concept of something happening for you, especially when there's so much pain and hurt and shame around it, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult to try to get to that space. Um because there's going to be blame involved and and it's about taking responsibility for your part in it. And I'm not saying you take the responsibility by saying it was my fault. I asked for this to happen because that's not what it's about at all. It's just about taking responsibility for the fact that you were there. You were there in that moment, you know, again, going back to your soul came into this world to learn certain lessons from certain people around you. And that's the spiritual kind of idealism about it all is that, and that's for me, what's kind of underpinned everything to get to the conclusion that certain things have happened for me. Um, But it is difficult to get to that space. Mm -hmm. I think if you can at least bring that concept into your awareness, I think that at least is a start. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that alone is going to be triggering. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's like, I mean, I feel like the more I understand how energy works, it, it's coming from a very neutral place. It's not like this is, you know, think about, you could say law of attraction. It's not functioning based on like, oh, this is a good or bad thing. It's literally just vibration frequency of what comes in or like our soul. Oh, 
this is the lesson in this, like these lessons in this lifetime so that you could overcome so that you could learn this. And for me, taking responsibility for certain things that have happened, uh, that at the time I felt like happened to me, it's not about like blame. It's not to me, blaming is like, Oh, I, I chose that consciously versus like my soul needed this. So like, I'm going to take actually, and also take responsibility for how am I responding? Because if I sit here and I spend the rest of my life feeling like it happened to me and I'm, that's keeping me really sad and upset versus doing the, the work to, to doing the deeper, harder healing work, um, and making, just taking steps to get toward a place of, of happiness, right? Like that, that's the responsibility that we can take. Exactly. And, you know, along the same lines is that if I keep saying, oh, this happened to me, this happened to me, it keeps you in that state of mind of feeling that you're not going to be able to escape it. There's no way out. It happened to you and that's it. When you say it happened for me, it kind of opens the narrative that a little bit, it opens the story a bit more. It's a bit more lenient as to what you can do with that story. Do you want it to allow, do you want to allow it to define you? For the rest of your life because by saying it happened to me for me personally that's exactly what you're doing is allowing that that incident that experience to define who you are yeah and that goes back to like the beginning what we we're talking about with the energy of words and language and like mm. just using empowering language versus disempowering language and once you start mm-hmm. to be aware of that you know you'll like I catch myself I'm like whoa, whoa no, no no I just I'm not going to give everybody else like, I'm not going to give somebody else my power, right? I'm going to try and maintain that. Or even you'll start to hear it in other people around you. And you're like, oh my gosh, this person is just making it feel like they don't have control over anything in their lives, you know? And mm-hmm. we can we can really shift that narrative based on our language for sure. I think people don't realize how much energy and how much power words have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also is that, you know, when you start to believe or start to feel that things happen for you, it's almost as if you can move into a state of gratitude for them as well. And when you think that something's happened to you, that gratitude never comes because actually through the darkest days, the darkest moments that we go through brings us such great strength. You know, it's sometimes it's the shittest things that we go through in our life that makes us the strongest, the most wisest person that we are. And it, and it propels us forward and it really creates who we are and it allows us to inspire others as well. Mm. Preparing, preparing us, right. For something Mm. it's like, I'm given this because I can handle it. And Mm -hmm. I would, I would love if you're willing to share an example of like, you know, you've gone through, uh, different types of sexual abuse for you. How are you grateful for that? I'm grateful because it's taught me many things. It's taught me how I so easily, um, can be influenced by others. Um, Mm -hmm. And therefore, it's allowed me to take my power back and know that I'm in control. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, just I'm just grateful for the experience. And I know that it's, 
it's really difficult to put it into words it's just, it's because i'm of the of the mind that these things have happened for me um and i'm just grateful for that because it now allows me to relate to people who are going through it as well to be able to empathize with others and i think so much for me you know i keep saying for me personally but it is is it's about i know that my purpose in this world is to help and support other people and to inspire others and i think that so much of what i've been through is for exactly that reason so i can understand what others are going through and that is what keeps me grateful and allows me to have this, to choose the alchemy uh, between this happened to me and this and this happened for me. Yeah, I think it's, you know, people like to understand the nuances because when we're in this defense mode, like I think people confuse being grateful for the experience of like, that doesn't mean you're happy it happened or that you want it to happen or that it doesn't mean it was okay. It's not fucking okay, right? It's not fucking okay at all but it's like if it happened okay how i move forward is like this is what this taught me right because mm. that's like how we and so i think that's a really important distinction for people to understand because i think when they're when they're first trying to wrap their brains around that it's like no it's not that it was fucking okay and it's not that you wanted it right uh but but it's it is okay this happened and it was not okay it fucking sucked but I can become stronger from it. Mm. Yeah, it's about taking your power back. You can give control to that that thing, that experience, or you can take your fucking power back and roll with it and make it part of you and, and to kind of initiate this inner strength within you. And mm -hmm. no, it's not fucking okay. It's absolutely not okay. And just because you're grateful for, for something happening for you <laughs> doesn't make it okay. It's never going to be okay. Mm -hmm. yep but I think you know and I think for a lot of people moving through these things it, it's also really important to remember like healing is a process and feel your feelings like mm -hmm. I think a lot of people try and shift immediately into gratitude you don't 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 bypass the emotion no. like get angry get upset get sad like you know feel your fucking feelings and it's later in the process when you actually can reflect and be like through this, through mm. this healing, right? Mm. Like I can look back mm. Um, mm. and decide not to sit in, in pain forever. Mm. And so I think yeah. that's really important as well. Yeah, I agree. And the reason that, you know, I look back at certain things that have come into my awareness and I can instantly say that I'm grateful for it is because I've practiced moving through my feelings. I know that the feelings are going to come up. I know it's not just a case. Oh, well, that happened. I'm so grateful for that experience. No, it's about getting angry. It's about acceptance it's about forgiveness not just of the other person but of yourself as well is this is it's almost like you have to go through the process to get to the gratitude which is exactly what you just said but it's just like i i don't want to kind of come across as if i'm like well i found this thing out about myself and i'm really grateful that it happened no it doesn't work like that <laughs> there's like there's A, there's B, and there's all the shit in between <laughs> that you have to go through. <laughs> <laughs> different different layers of shit, that's for yes. sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I really appreciate you sharing all of this. Uh, I'm sure it triggered people and maybe as a perspective 
perspective shift too, but you're like one of the strongest people I know. And I, I mean, when I first met you, like I would never expect that you you've gone through everything you've gone through. Like the way you've uh, moved through it is really inspiring to me. And, and yeah, I'm just grateful for the, for the work you do for people and how you, how you help people. So thank you for being here. And can you just remind everyone where they can uh, connect further with you? Firstly, I want to say thank you. Thank you for inviting me on and thank you for being an inspiration to me and my mentor to me as well. And yes, mm. people can find me at the moment on Instagram at hill.with.sinead or on my website, hillsinead.life. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Sinead. Thank you. Huge shout out to Sinead for coming on the podcast, being so open and vulnerable and talking about some pretty intense subjects. I hope this inspired you and I'm sure you will want to connect more with Sinead. You can find her on Instagram at heal.with.sinead and on her website healwithsinead.life. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and tag me, tag Sinead so that we can see you're listening and you enjoy it. It means the world. And don't forget that if you want access to my private Instagram account, it's the channel crew on Instagram. All you have to do is leave a rating and a review on iTunes, take a screenshot and DM it to that account, the channel crew on Instagram. When you do that and you request to follow, I will accept your request and you'll get access to the page. That's going to be it for today's show. Thanks again so much for tuning in. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and I will chat with you again next episode.